Welcome to Raiders of the Lost Podcast, one of the fastest growing movie podcasts in the world, where we discuss all things film. On this episode, we discuss Venom, Let There Be Carnage. Hello, movie friends. Welcome back to the show. This is Anthony. And this is James. And we're going to talk about Venom, Let There Be Carnage, which was directed by Andy Serkis. And we were very lucky enough to be invited by IMAX to go to their headquarters on Monday and check out an early screening of this on their giant private IMAX theater screen. And it was such a fun time. And I really enjoyed this movie. We got a lot of hate comments, people on TikTok saying that we got paid to review this film. We do not get paid to see these films. We just got a free invitation. It was an awesome time, and I enjoyed the movie. Sue me, you know? Yeah, it, the movie was a lot of fun. You can't hold every movie at a high standard, and, you know, Venom, it was funny. It had great action. Tom Hardy was great as always, and we had a great uh, villain from Woody Harrelson. Naomi Harris is awesome in it. It's a fun time. You know, we were cracking up the whole time in the theater, and then seeing it in IMAX is really what made it special because, like, looking up at that giant screen, I was like, oh, my God, this looks so great. Mm -hmm. And Andy Serkis did a really phenomenal job directing this. I think he really knocked it out of the park, gave uh, audiences what they wanted. Uh, if If you're curious, when you walk into this movie, it is not rated R, so it doesn't have gore. It doesn't have blood everywhere. Um, so they kept it a, a hard PG-13. They fit some pretty graphic stuff in there, especially some Carnage stuff, but they kept it uh, away from our territory, in case you were wondering. Which is disappointing. You know, that's probably my my biggest con of the film because if we got a rated R version of this, it would have been incredible. Just like with Logan, like that's the strength of Logan is it's rated R. And we finally, after like nine renditions of the character with his claws just stabbing people and not seeing any gore, <laughs> we got to see him chopping people's arms and limbs off and heads off, and it was pretty epic to see. And you could have done something incredible with Venom. But I understand why they have it PG-13. You know, you want a lot of kids to come see this. Plus... Things that are going on in the post credit scene, which we'll talk to in a little bit. But I think we should keep it spoiler-free for about five minutes before we get into the real good juicy stuff. Yeah, and I would say it was Sony's decision to keep it PG-13 just so they could get more audience pe- audience in, into the theaters yeah. to, to pay for it. But, I mean, it's still a great time. I really enjoyed it. And uh, what they really captured with this one, which they hinted at in the first one, and they, they just t- dipped their toes in, is this movie is about the relationship between Eddie Brock and Venom. And it's like kind of like a love story. It's like a breakup and love story. It is. It's like a rom-com. It is. And their relationship evolves throughout the film. And I just really adore the the duality between these two characters who are sharing this body. And there's cool scenes where like even Eddie Brock lets Venom take over the body for time. And he's talking in Venom's head at times. You know what I mean? Where it looks like they probably share time having control and physicality of the body. Yeah, and a lot of really cool things happen with it in terms of sharing body parts. Like maybe like Eddie Brock will have control of the body, but Venom's hands are doing stuff. And the constant back and forth is really great because I think Andy Serkis was the perfect choice to direct this because of the duality of the character. And Andy Serkis is no stranger to characters whose focus is duality in terms of Gollum with Smeagol and then Caesar and the duality that he faces of being an ape and being a human kind of in between and not really fitting in and I think having uh, Tom Hardy's intense incredible acting and his talent showcased in this film with Venom and Eddie Brock 
it reminded me so much of watching Brunson in that movie that Tom Hardy did with Nicholas Winding Refn, and specifically the scenes where he's doing like that stage theatrical play, and he's kind of doing two different characters depending on which faces side of his face is towards the audience, and it just reminded me so much of that performance. And Tom Hardy, he he does a great job. He does he delivers so much like nervous energy and just like so much angst, and he's like. He's just like losing his grip on everything because he's sick of having venom in his head and and sharing the body with venom. And he really put a lot into this role. You can tell, and he knocked it out of the park. And he's the one who came up with the story of the of the script for the film in general. So you can tell that he's super motivated for the character and he wants to keep going forward with it and see how far they can go with it. And, and the story itself. It's simple. You know, I think that was the strength of it. The first one, they kind of messed up. The first one could have been great. It was just very complicated. Dis- disappointing. You know, there's plots. so much potential. And I think what they realized with the sequel is we messed up. And we kind of have one shot to get this right. We can't F it up because of obviously what happens at the end in the post credits. We can't mess this up. What we need to do is just make an ent- entertaining film for 90 minutes. Keep people tuned in. Get people excited for this character and the future possibilities of Venom in the in the future of the comic book world. And then also make it just enjoyable. And it's so, so funny. I was laughing. This entire film, I was maybe like 50 lines landed for me. It yeah. was ridiculous. I was I felt bad. I was howling in the back of the movie theater like so loud. It was a blast. A lot of the jokes hit. They really hit. And it wasn't like the Marvel sarcastic humor. It was the back and forth between Venom and Eddie. And Venom is just hysterical. He cracks you up the whole time. And what's really cool is the way Tom Hardy performed in these scenes is he had experience playing two characters before in the movie Legend when he played identical twins, the Cray brothers. And what he would do, and he did this concept for, for this film, is he recorded all of Venom's dialogue before they started filming the movie. And then he wore an earpiece, and they would play Venom's dialogue, and then he would act opposite the dialogue he was hearing in his head. Oh, well, it seems like it seems like I figured that's what they did in general, yeah. or had someone reading lines to him off yeah. on set. But it was actually his own his own dialogue he was responding to. His voice is awesome, and as yeah, he's obviously it's very distorted, but he does create a great voice for Venom. I mean, his his original Bane voice was excellent too, that they had to change because people complained about not being able to understand it when the, first trailer, when the first trailer came out. But in general, I had a lot of fun with this movie, and I think what they did was what they should have done with the first film: keep it simple, keep it fun introduce us to the character but we learned so much more about the character in this film than we did with the first one the first one is so like overcomplicated when it doesn't have to be and this one's just simplified and that's a pro or con depending how you look at it i think when you go see this movie set your expectations at the door my expectations weren't like oh this better be amazing or else i'm gonna be so upset my expectations are it should just be better than the other venom and if you (laughs) have your expectations there you're gonna have a good time it's they improved upon it in every way and and especially in the villain aspect because Riz Ahmed, he's a great actor, but that that character he played, the villain of the first one, I mean, I can't boring. remember his name. Yeah. And he was so unmemorable. Unmemorable and just like, uh, I mean, it wasn't that interesting of a plot line. And then they made it overly complicated with Jenny Slate's journalist character. And it it just, felt so much like The Amazing Spider-Man. Yeah, it did. Too. It did, for sure. That's what it really felt like. And it just didn't really work. And then with this film, they have a great villain in Woody Harrelson. And obviously it was the post credit scene of the last Venom movie where you saw him as Cletus in the prison. But Woody Harrelson really shines in this movie. He's excellent. He's a lot of fun. He's a great villain and opposite of Eddie Brock. And it's a really interesting character. He's like a serial killer who's been locked up for decades now. And uh, thanks to Eddie Brock, he's going to be um, euthanized. And just before he is killed, 
he manages to get. You see in the trailer, he bites Eddie Brock's hand and gets some of the venom symbiote inside of him. I've tasted blood, and that, that is, is not it. <laughs> Eddie Brock has a secret. Yeah, he's that, awesome in this movie. Yeah, it's excellent, and that turns him into Carnage. And the Carnage symbiote is crazy. Like this thing is dangerous. It's terrifying. It messes up dozens and dozens of people in in a second, and. It's just incredible to watch this this epic prison sequence where Carnage is taking out all of the guards and even prisoners and just anyone that gets in his way, and it is a great action sequence. Yeah, so as, for as much as the cool Carnage action there is, I would say a con to the film is there isn't a ton of Venom action or a ton of, a ton of Venom abilities being showcased. There are some, but I think that's because they're trying to build a relationship for Venom and Eddie, and I think they really want the audience to get to know Venom more personally so that we're more familiar with them going forward and we like him more. I think that's what their goal was rather than having a ton of action sequences like there was no Venom webbing or anything like that and he just kind of acted as like a big strong brute for the majority of the film for action purposes. I would say that it would have been better to throw in an opening sequence of Venom doing some kind of action sequence like yeah. maybe stopping a crime of some some kind of action sequence where you can see him in action. Yeah, but just as much so we'll start getting into spoiler territory. Let's now. go. So just as much as Eddie Brock is like going crazy having venom inside of his ear and he can't take it anymore. And he just wants him out of his life. He just wants to live in peace and just live in his apartment by himself with quiet. The same thing's going on with Venom where he needs to get outside. He needs to go eat bad guys. He needs to he needs he's, brains. He's sick of eating chickens and he he needs he needs to get out. He's like a dog that has to get walked. He's got all this energy and he can only eat so much chocolate and and chickens until he starts losing his mind because he needs that one ingredient that's only found in chocolate and brains and they're just there's you know keeping him at bay with the the M&Ms and stuff which I'm sure they should have found some higher quality chocolate than that. Yeah, but Eddie Brock's not rich. It's true. You can only afford so much chocolate. But they- when you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Really funny because you didn't, you never thought about Venom's perspective before being stuck in that body because he he can't really go to anyone else except for Eddie because he tried he tries in this movie multiple times with who knows how many people trying to form a symbiosis and they, they all end up dying the host so he, he and Eddie have a special bond which allows them both to survive. But I think it's so fun that it is like a love story in a breakup. They have a f- big fight and they break up and, and Venom leaves and like he trashes his motorcycle. It's funny because <laughs> Venom's like you get out of this apartment. He starts throwing Eddie's stuff out of the apartment window and his TV and everything. And then, yeah he destroys his bike and then he, he symbiotes into somebody else and he gives Eddie Brock the middle finger on the way down the street. So it's just it's really funny but it's also an intense moment because it's for the first time in a while that Eddie Brock is vulnerable and he could get killed by something because Venom's always been there to protect him. And he can't get out of situations. And now that at the same time, Cletus, who enticed Eddie Brock to come do a story on him, but he doesn't realize that Eddie Brock has Venom inside of him, which Venom solves the case of where Cletus hid those bodies by the imagery that he carved into the walls in his prison cell, that now 
Eddie Brock's vulnerable to an attack from Cletus, who now has that symbiote inside him and is now Carnage and is going to come looking for uh, Eddie at some point. Yeah, it's excellent. And then Michelle Williams gets involved, and I love when she becomes Venom, and it's it's great. I, my favorite scene might be the Mrs. Chen scene in the convenience store <laughs> when Michelle Williams is looking for Venom, and so she goes there because that's where— because um, Mrs. Chen knows Venom and, and is the supplying the chocolate for them. And at first, Michelle Williams is asking Mrs. Chen if she's seen Venom, and then she realizes that Venom is in her, and then she starts telling Venom that he's, like, so hot and so cool, and then Mrs. Chen is just smiling, like, taking it in. It's so funny, and she's got, like, the super sharp teeth and the black eyes. It's it's hysterical. I was dying laughing. And then we have Numi Harris is Naomi Harris. I'm sorry. Did I say Numi? Yeah. Naomi Harris as Shriek, who is Cletus's long-lost love. They were together trapped inside what seemed to be uh, an insane asylum or some sort of mental institution institution when they were young. And uh, Naomi Harris was taken away and but escaped from the police custody, but now is being killed. But for the last couple decades has been held captive in a super super secret like like even more secure facility like for people with powers it was it was thought that she was killed in her escape but ultimately she was she survived and she was taken in and secretly taken into this new facility so other so the police think that she's dead and yeah she has that superpower where she can just scream incredibly loud and just destroy people's ears whereas cletus didn't have a superpower he was just a, a psychopathic serial killer that was just what he was but then when he gets the carnage symbiote inside of him he just becomes a wrecking ball of destruction and death. And even when he just first becomes in, he gets the steals the convertible, the Mustang. He just tosses a car off a bridge just for the fun of it. Yeah. And Woody Harrelson, I love what he did where he used a lot of inspiration from Max Cady from Cape Fear. And he made little references to De Niro's character where, first of all, he's wearing, it's not identical, but is extremely similar, the red, yellow, and black Hawaiian shirt that Max Cady famously wore. He also speaks with that southern accent as that Max Cady also has. And then the red Mustang is the exact same Mustang convertible that Max Cady drove in Cape Fear. So clearly referencing one of the great um, villains in movie history. Counselor. Counselor. Could you be there? Oh, what's the fucking difference anyways? <laughs> Love that movie. So <laughs> underrated. So I think he definitely used Max Cady as inspiration while in crafting and creating this character. Yeah, and the plot, yeah, sometimes it's predictable. You, like, you, you know, you kind of know what's going to happen. It's a Venom movie. It's a, it's a superhero Venom movie, but I still enjoyed it. I had a great time. And it's short. It's, it's fast-paced. It's super fast. They trimmed all the fat yeah. off this movie, which is great. It's 90 minutes. And it's a great, really good climax. You know, a lot of stuff's going on. And I think the most exciting part is obviously the post-credit scene. Yeah. But let's get into the post-credit scene. So the scene. post-credit scene is Eddie and Brock at the end of the film. You know, Eddie. Uh, Eddie and Venom. Ed, I mean, Eddie and Venom. Eddie takes Venom to the beach to put his Venom toes into the sand and see the sun on the feel beach. Feel the wind in his hair. Yeah, the wind in his hair like he asked earlier in the film. He's like, I need to feel the wind in my hair. <laughs> and um, And then... They're laying down, and and Venom wants to show Eddie what symbiotes have seen, what they've done over the last several thousand years of, or tens of thousands of years, even millennia of, I can't remember what we said, of just traveling. You said millions of years. Yeah, millions of years traveling through space, and what they can experience, what and how they perceive the world and everything. They have a shared knowledge. Yeah. And so he shows them this power, but then all of a sudden some sort of dimension shift happens, and the hotel room changes. And now they're new in a new, it seems like a new dimension of Earth, of where whatever country they were in, 
they're they're just a different reality. Yeah, it went from a cheap, rundown hotel room motel room into a, a very ritzy hotel room with beautiful, clean amenities and even like little swans made out of towels on the edge of the beds. And so Eddie and Venom are extremely confused about what the heck just happened. Why is this room different? And then the television that they were watching, they were watching a Spanish soap opera, but it changed into a news broadcast. And from it, we hear J. Jonah Jameson's broadcast from the end of Spider-Man Far From Home. So we hear J.K. Simmons say, Incredibly, this shocking revelation brought to light by yours truly has only raised words cut... Oh. <laughs> has only raised into the life of Peter Parker, a.k.a. Spider-Man, a.k.a. the Spider-Man. But rest assured, dear viewers, we here at the Daily Bugle will not rest until we've uncovered the yada, and then it ends. But it's a shot of Tom Holland's Spider-Man with his mask off, and this is when the world is like seeing Tom Holland as Spider-Man. I mean, I'm seeing Peter Parker as Spider-Man. It's basically the same post-credit scene as um, the last Spider-Man movie. Yeah. No way home. No way. Far from home. I'm yeah. sorry. Far Spider-Man. Far from yeah. home. So, 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 Venom and Eddie Brock had but now been placed into Tom Holland's Peter Parker's MCU universe. And then Venom looks at the screen and he says, "That guy." He and then it. he <laughs> licks the screen of Peter Parker's face. And does he say something else? He says something like, I want to get that guy or no, something. No, he just says that guy. That guy. But he seems like he wants to eat him. Yeah. So, looks like he has tasty brains. What does this mean? I haven't really had time to think about it too much, and I haven't like read any articles or blogs or theories or anything, but I'm assuming that if Venom's not going to be in No Way Home, then they're setting up a Spider-Man vs. Venom film for after No Way Home. I would say he's definitely going to be in No Way Home. Don't you think it'd be too many villains, though, if they did? But he could be a hero. Maybe there won't be the other Peter Parkers, and then Eddie Brock and Venom will be helped. Oh, that would be so disappointing. Yeah, it would be disappointing. Oh, don't even don't even put those thoughts in my head, man. But I don't think why why would they? I mean, it doesn't. Tom Holland's not signed on for any other movies. Well, I think it's just to put Venom in this universe now. Yeah. You know, Tom Holland's gonna do more. Like, there's no way yeah. he's not gonna. Yeah. I think that I, I have high hopes that I think that Venom will be in No Way Home. I really do. I would love to see it. I just think maybe they might be afraid to put too many villains in, like, Rock the Boat. Because if they have villains from Tom's... If they do the Magnificent Six, right, is Venom a part of that? Or maybe he's the missing villain because I think there was only five that were counted in the trailer from No Way Home. Maybe he's the sixth one. I don't think that the number of villains would be a problem because they were always trying to get the Sinister Six made. I mean, Sinister Six. I, say, I said Magnificent. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah, so, okay. So, Sinister Six. So, I think that they still will figure out a way to do it. Well, then Venom will be the sixth. Yeah. Because if you think about Civil War... I mean, half of them aren't villains, but they are antagonists from one another. There's so like you can 12 say, of them. So you can say that, you know, one team is the protagonist, and the other team is the villain. So if whatever Doc Ock was doing and maybe he changed or whatever was going on with um, Doctor Strange and they changed the dimensions and the realities and everything's going on and, and reality's cha- uh, broken and maybe all these villains and stuff are coming in from the different Spider-Verses. If we have, so we have Sandman, we have the Lizard, we have Green Goblin... Oc. Doc Ock, um, and then Electro. Have, yeah, Electro. that's what we saw in the trailer. Yeah. And then we have Venom is the sixth for the Sinister Six. Yeah. That would be pretty epic. And then how cool it would it be if Sinister is the sixth villain? And then we have Andrew and Toby coming back. That would be fire. How, that would be fire. Why not? Why the hell not do that? They have to do it. That would make. Can you imagine how much money that movie would make? That'd be bigger than Avengers, probably. That would be Avatar. Maybe. That might be an Avatar. Like a couple billion. Yeah. Even during the COVID lockdown era. Yeah. Like, billions of dollars. I think that that's what they have to do, I think. Why the hell not? Exactly. Why well, the hell not? Why throw Venom in the post credit scene 
and not put him in a no way home. All right, so now I'm more excited to, to maybe there. This is actually going to be the Sinister Six, and he's the sixth one, or maybe he's part of the hero group. No, he wants to kill Spider Man. He licked the screen, man. You don't lick a screen like that if you don't want to eat. That so person. then, would he take over I mean, the body you, from you Eddie? You know how you've you've licked TV screens when you want to eat people before. Yeah. That's what you do. Yeah, but how would Eddie? feel about that he probably wouldn't want to do it but venom probably take control like uh yeah. like taking control of the vehicle you know yeah maybe we'll see we'll see it's just it's, i bet you it becomes like Gollum and smeagol like <laughs> one gets control over the body over the other yeah, yeah. Is you're probably right yeah it's, it's possible man i can't wait now it's gonna be it's gonna be crazy we'll find out when they release the second trailer they have to they maybe they'll save it for the last one Either way, they're they're gonna show new stuff in the second trailer. Either way, it's gonna yeah. be one of the biggest movies of all time, box office. Oh wise. yeah, hundred percent. I mean, the first Spider-Man made a billion. Now I'm more excited, and it's just got Iron Man. In. I, I get more and more excited to see it. It's gonna be fun. All right, it's gonna be a good um, time. You have anything else you want to add to this mini Venom bonus review? No, it's just um, it was a great time. It was a lot of fun. Action sequences were fun. Tom Tom Hardy is always great, and got the Eminem song at the end. Eminem song, and you know, it's just much better than the first one. And if you like the first one, then you're gonna love this one. Yeah, it was a good time. Uh, don't let haters, and also don't listen to the critics because yeah. on Rotten Tomatoes it has a 55 percent score on Rotten Tomatoes, but the critic, the audience score. Is eighty eight percent. I I'm telling you, I had a great time watching this. Yeah. It was one of my favorite movies we I've cracking, seen in a while. We were cracking up the entire time. Literally, yeah. I couldn't stop laughing. I was like overwhelmed with laughter. And I couldn't believe how funny you were it was. Cackling. I couldn't believe I was cackling. I felt bad, but I couldn't believe how funny it was. Yeah, it was great, guys. You gotta check it out. All right, and see it in IMAX, obviously. Absolutely, and thanks IMAX. IMAX for the invite. We did not get paid to see the movie. I wish though. we got paid. I mean, if we got paid, that'd, <laughs> that'd be, be nice. that'd be pretty dope. We, we would, would tell be, you. We'd yeah. tell you. Why would we lie about but that? But it'd be cool if we got a free Venom poster like we got the Reminiscence posters. I, mean, I bet we will. That'd be pretty I cool. Maybe signed by Annie Circus. That would be sick. Because we got them signed by Lisa Joy. Yeah, but she was there and he wasn't there. True. All right. Anyways, that wraps this episode. Thanks so much for tuning in. Go watch Venom. Uh, we got movie news coming tomorrow. And then Monday, we have an excellent episode that you definitely, definitely don't, don't want to miss. Don't want to miss. It's going to be the first of spooky season. Ooh. And I'll give you a hint. It's a, it's a ghost movie. That's a good hint. Yeah. That's a good hint. It's ambiguous. It's going to throw them off. Yeah, for sure. All right, everybody. Bye. Bye. Raiders of the Lost podcast is a mirror image production. Sound mixing done by Jacob Kosler. Opening music by Chase Jackson.